friends. Welcome to the Creative Impact Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Caldwell, and I'm so happy you're here. Each episode, I take some time to chat with fellow artists about life, faith, and the impact of the arts. Well, I am so excited to be here today with Jeremiah and Mona Inna from kind of multiple things going on in Kansas City. I'll give a little intro for you guys just for those who are listening. So Mona Inna is the co-founder of The Culture House and also artistic director of Storling Dance Theater. And then her husband, Jeremiah, is also co-founder of The Culture House and executive director of The Culture House right now in Kansas City. And I'm just so excited to get to finally meet you both. Thank, Thank you so you. much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much. We're excited about this. Yes. yes. I feel like we've had so many mutual connections and, you know, I feel like the Christian dance family is, or Christian dance family, Christian dance community is yeah. a big family. Yeah, it is a big family. <laughs> it's a family. It's how I, how I, yes. yeah. And it's all over the world. Exactly. So you never know who you're going to meet from another part of the world. Mm-hmm. That isn't that many circles away from you. Exactly. So this is such an honor just to get to sit down with you both and hear more about your background and journey. And then, you know, the work that God's doing in Kansas City right now, which just from what I do know is pretty incredible. I've uh, had the opportunity to talk with Shannon Benton on the podcast and also Kathleen Schuler. And so, yeah, people, I'll link to those if people want to go back and hear a little bit more. Yeah. Um, fact, other staff. You know, skip this podcast and go listen to them. They're much more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be so good. Well, I would love to give you both an opportunity just to introduce yourselves as well. And if you want to share a little bit about your background and kind of what got you to Kansas City? My name is Mona Enna, and uh, I am the artistic director of Sterling Dance Theater. And um, I grew, I'm actually from Finland, where I was born and raised. I grew up in a non Christian family, and actually, my father was very, like, did not like Christians at all. I would call him more of an anti Christian person. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my family never went to church, not even Christmas or Easter. I mean, really, the only times we would go to church was if somebody was getting married. So it was like wedding or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So because of my family situation wasn't that great, I really escaped quite a bit into the arts just to be, you know, stay away from home as much as possible. Mm -hmm. My dad kind of was a very angry person, so he would get into kind of fits of rage and could be quite violent mm-hmm. at times when he got into that mo- kind of mood. So, yeah, so I was active in like theater and choir and I loved to draw and anything artistic. I loved stories. And even as a little girl, I would kind of make up stories in my mind oh, yeah. just to kind of create like a different reality almost. Right. And that kind of really saved me like mentally, I think, in a big way. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when I was 13, I started ballet because I, a friend of mine had started ballet too. And uh, the ballet school in my hometown, which is like two hours from the Arctic Circle. Uh, <laughs> it's cold. That's all. Really cold. I don't know yeah. how I would do there because I grew up in Houston, Texas. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. <laughs> we need different clothing for time. sure. <laughs> yeah, but it was a very good ballet school. Very strict. Very, Yeah. And so I started dancing there and that became kind of my biggest passion. Mm -hmm. 
And then when I was 14, I became a Christian through the confirmation program at the Lutheran Church. And that completely changed my life. And I just, yeah, it it was really from the testimony of the people who were there, like kind of the people who were already Christian, who I just noticed like they are different. Like there's something beautiful about these people. Like they have like a love that's radiating out of them. And that really drew me. And then my pastor was just an amazing, you know, Bible teacher and communicator and Mm -hmm. just an amazing fatherly figure, you know? So then I decided I made a commitment to, you know, follow Jesus and which was, did not go very well at my home because my, my dad was really upset about it and Mm, caused a lot of drama and you know heartache and everything yeah, but I can imagine I think it kind of in a way made me stronger you know the opposition made me stronger like heck no <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm going with Jesus I'm not going with you right but, you know, know? Even, even that yeah. story of you and the the other teenager who helped you pray oh, oh, and yeah. the Lord it makes people laugh but it's an interesting contrast to for example um growing up in america so share that oh yeah so at the actual moment <laughs> when i put my heart to the lord we were we were basically given we were at this uh well you have good, to do the whole story with it okay yeah it's fine <laughs> so basically the culmination of this confirmation program was that we all we were all like put on a bus and we were bused to like the north like of Lapland, which it, which is like way above the Arctic Circle, into the wilderness. Like the next town was 50 miles away. Oh my goodness. And, like, there was no store. And it was just all the team, like all the con- confirmation students, my pastor, and then a few of these like teenagers who were already Christian, who were basically a year older than we were. Okay. And so we were in the woods for two weeks <laughs> and uh, so and the opportunity was given you know towards the end of the camp where because there was no running water so it was just like outhouses that there was a little box where you could like put your name and then like who you wanted to kind of like a little piggy bank on the on the door <laughs> and then like who you wanted to talk to so then I put down this girl name who I really liked and if you were interested if I was yeah if I was interested so we went we walked into the woods and we sat on this like fallen tree trunk and (laughs) it was really beautiful and then she asked me like okay so you want to be a Christian you know I said yes then her next question was even if somebody puts a gun to your head would you still confess Jesus (laughs) wow (laughs) that's right and it's pretty strong but you know what so everyone we always Everyone laughs. Yes. We all laugh. When we, sorry. But the thing was, is Finland borders Russia. And at the time, the Soviet Union yeah. was controlling Russia. And it was, you know, you, you would be put in prison if you were a Christian. So her question, as dramatic as it was, yeah. actually wasn't that off base. Right. Considering, yes. you know, that just a few miles away, you could go to prison mm-hmm. uh, for being, for following Jesus. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So then I, I said, yes. I said, yes. Awesome. Then out of this, you know, I became active in the youth group and it was really like uh, so freeing, so wonderful, you know, and just growing in my faith. And then one day uh, my pastor came to me and he was like, why don't you dance for Jesus? And I was like, what is that? 
because there was no dance in any of the churches anywhere in the country. There was no drama. There was no nothing. I mean, just music and beautiful visual art. But, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, that's so cool that he even thought to ask that. Thought about it. I don't even know how how he thought about it. He he, to this day, I mean, he realized that there's no realm in life that Jesus doesn't want to be a part of. Mm -hmm. So good. You know, it Mm -hmm. doesn't. It doesn't matter. Yeah, we think pastors are it's a spiritual life. It's the holy life. The accountant, the dancer, the teacher, the mom, mm-hmm. the whatever, single, married, there's no realm. And so he knew that. And he encouraged so many people to follow yeah. the giftings the Lord gave them. Mm-hmm. And many yeah. artists came yeah. out of that church. Yeah, yeah. He he is incredible. That's awesome. Johan Kondalin, we're your fans. <laughs> yes, shout out. <laughs> I love I, it. So anyhow, so then um, he just basically said, hey, why don't you gather some of the girls from the ballet school? And here's a youth event a month later. And you put together something and danced at it. And I was like, "Okay." so that was kind of our first, you know, attempt. I asked a couple of the girls and and he even said, like, hey, like, here's some money. If you need costumes or something, you know, go get some costumes. And and it, it was so amazing, like. You know, um, yeah, there's a he was the one who sprung this idea on me, you know. Mm-hmm. So then I I was like 15 years old. I formed my first dance company called Praise Ballet. I love it. Yes. But, yeah, it was. And uh, I just asked some of the girls, you know, from the from the my ballet class. Hey, who do you want to come and do this? And and some of them were not Christian at all. A couple of them were Christian. And. That was so like, I, I don't know, just excited mm-hmm. about knowing the Lord. It was just changed my life in such a big way that I just love to share about him with everybody. And we would pray together. And it was interesting just like how those little things led to conversations, you know, yeah, with them about Christianity. And, yeah. and then they started becoming Christian, like little by little. Another thing I, I should mention too, like some of the opportunities that I had was that the youth group would take trips to like communist Poland and Czech Republic and Hungary and yeah, it would have been like in the mid eighties. Okay, and so that's uh, when Soviet Union was still yeah, in, yeah, ruling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and my pastor he was very active in like um, ministering to the persecuted church. Okay, yes. And he was very connected to different, like the churches, like all in like Russia and those countries. Well, the underground churches, yeah, yeah, not the the, there was kind of a quasi church, right? Sort of like a state church, yeah, the the real, the real Christian, yeah, the real Christian, the underground church, yeah. And uh, so we would go on these like mission trips, you know, with the young people. And I had like, you know, when you're like 15, like you don't know danger, everything is (laughs) but we would um, smuggle Bibles, you know, in our bags, like in In our dance costumes. costumes. And then he And under the floorboards of the bus. Floorboards of the bus, they would like stuff it with Bibles and then we would travel around and then, you know. We do little performances and mm-hmm. just come and deliver, you know, Bibles to all the Christians. Yeah, that's there. incredible. Yeah, yeah it really is. Really amazing experiences. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So cool. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, dance is 
you know, you don't have to understand the language, you know? Exactly. So, it's yeah. kind of a universal yeah. way to communicate. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And we've seen that over the years. Yeah. So then after I graduated, I moved to Helsinki and uh, started pursuing, you know, just uh, more dance training there. And I got into this very good trainee program there and uh, was there for two or three years. I can't remember now. But we formed another dance company <laughs> with some other girls, yeah. you know, that were professional. The ones that, that had stuck to it and yeah, wanted to be a professional. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. and we would do little things here and there, and then after that, our paths sort of meet. Wow. Yes. That's so, Jeremiah, me. do you want to yeah. take but it from it. here? That's right. So, my story is far less interesting. <laughs> so, um, but I'm from the states. I'm from Kansas City. I grew up in Kansas City, where we are back now. Normal suburban person. I grew up in a wonderful Christian home. My family's Catholic, and but very passionate Christians. And yeah. also, I would say my parents were in mixed circles of different Christians from different denominations, all of whom had a big influence on me because they all had a real passion for the Lord. So I grew up in that environment. I came to know Jesus in, in that environment. But by high school, we you know, pretty much drifted very far away. Mm, yeah. But I got involved in the arts, mostly in music as a young person, played sports and then got into music. And it just eventually led to things. And I had this wonderful group of teenagers who were performers, just kind of, you know, show tunes and pop songs and stuff. Uh And I was called Cracker Jack Theater. Love it. (laughs) Troy led that. And it was just a great group of friends. And so did that for my high school years and decided I really wanted to do this. Right. And even had encouragement from people in the church. You should do this. You know, in fact, I remember one guy had heard me saying and said, you know, you should really serve God with your gifts. And I said, oh, that sounds awesome. How do I do that? And he's like, well, I don't know. I mean, you know, <laughs> he's like, I don't you know. Should, but yeah. yeah, you just should. I'm like, well, thanks. So I kind of dove into going in that direction, but really with no guidance, no Johan, no pastor yeah. kind of guide me. And actually, unfortunately, every time I went to look for that within church circles, there was just silence. I mean, no one was mean or anything like that, but there was just mm-hmm. silence. And so, so then I really, then of course, just went to where the action was and in, in the arts. And I ended up in Los Angeles with a job um, when I was 18, 19, working for an organization that was kind of fighting drug use in teen culture and in gang culture and stuff. And wonderful people, Janie, Sherry, Madeline, William, Kathy Lee, all these wonderful people that gave me a job and really kind of a surrogate family took care of me. Mm -hmm. But after a year at the beach and kind of partying my life away, in some cases, I decided to go back to school. So I ended up getting a degree in theater at UCLA and had incredible professors. And it was an incredible time. But morally, spiritually, I was just so far from God and and Mm -hmm what being a good person was like and really came to the end of my rope of my rope, which was, Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm the problem. You know, (laughs) I just started to realize other people, because I was kind of looking for personal perfection in some leader and some spiritual leader or spiritual system or philosophical system. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I was criticizing all the things I was moving through 
because most of them really most many spiritual disciplines just end up back focused on yourself Mm, you know i end up being the authority Mm -hmm. in these concepts and i and once i realized that i was just a mess and i was the problem i thought well this is not going to work you know (laughs) and so that led me to praying my i remember my last year in los angeles i just started praying again god i really need you and i need to get out of here and I, probably another important aspect to that period was also i was around both kind of in my work celebrity culture but also my theater studies and work at ucla i didn't see it when i looked out to, to be a professional and and try to pursue that i just thought the industry was so unhealthy for humans mm. i don't know how else to say it but i thought i just you know you can succeed in this industry but i didn't think i could and still remain a healthy person at all yeah at all so and i and i saw others suffering under the the weight of that culture Mm -hmm. and so that was part of my kind of i had some really great friends from school that i loved and appreciated but i couldn't see how i could remain in all that but then at the end of that time getting my degree literally at the end a group from Sweden called me, which was crazy. I'd never been out of the country other than Tijuana. Mm-hmm. I traveled all over the States, but never been out of it. And this group had heard about me in Paris from a guy I knew, you know, one of those things. Yes. Not, how God weaves things together. And the director of this ministry called Creative Mission, um, Vivica calls me randomly, if you will. And my friends answer the phone. You have a call from Sweden. And I'm like, Sweden? Like, goodness, what's this? And so we have this crazy, we have this conversation. It was very uh, direct and um, interesting. But when I hung up, my friend said, well, you messed that opportunity up. You know, I was very, I used to be a lot more direct and a lot more, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> direct. I'll just say it that way. Yeah. And I said, well, I'm not moving to Sweden. I mean, based on a random phone call like there's nothing to mess up and I had said send me information but kind of like Mona said in her story she was like Christians dance what is this yeah Vivica was had established a a professional dance theater company Mm -hmm. and so my housemates and I we would sit around over the next months after the phone call kind of having a blast imagining what would Christian dance be like you know you wear white you have to smile all the time right? and you spin in circles. I mean, it just went on. We were cracking up at this. Yeah. Uh-huh. Arms raised. Yes. Always happy. <laughs> and then I got information from them and it wasn't that at all. And it was very thoughtful and dramatic. They were into storytelling. And I just felt I didn't have a spiritual counselor. I didn't have a pastor. I just felt I think God is answering all my prayers mm. in one package. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, Sweden. And so I just literally gave stuff away. I didn't have much stuff. And I got on a plane and moved to Sweden. I found out later from a professor of mine who I was visiting that most people thought I joined a cult. Oh, wow. And it made sense. Of course it did. Oh, he joined some group of spiritual people in the woods of Sweden. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I had an agent. I had two agents. I had, I was ready to go. Right. Yeah. And, and it was like, no, he just picked up and left and disappeared. And back then there was no internet. So True. you couldn't like stay in touch quickly. So that's how I got to Sweden. And in Sweden, uh, Eternia Dance Theater, great artists involved, thoughtful people became lifelong friends. 
And we traveled Europe asking the question, if the Bible's true and the God is real, and if the gospel blesses a culture and people wherever it lands, why is it not affecting the arts and media world? Mm -hmm. That was really kind of the base question. And then we would travel around Europe and Eastern Europe, and we would create productions. And we were always arguing, debating, if you will, ideas and thoughts and how to live life well and all those things. Yeah. And of course, discussing the Bible and the ideas from the Bible. And Mona and I met then. We had created a production called We Want to Live about a young Jewish man searching for his identity. Mm-hmm. Music by Adrian Snell. And it just started to get lots of traction in the early 90s. And then there was an outbreak of anti-Semitism in Europe in the early 90s. Mm. I mean, neo-Nazis with the full gear on marching in the streets mm. of Sweden, of all places. Wow. Yeah. Swedes are proud of their neutrality and things like that. Right. So it was very unsettling. And we were ready with this production. We were ready. And so we would tour it around. But during that process, the Israeli ambassador to Sweden saw a version of the show and invited us to tour Israel. Oh, that's amazing. So, yeah. So I went down, I don't know, three or four weeks to Israel to do that. And the beginning of it, that trip was a conference where I taught at. The choreographer was pregnant. She couldn't go. Okay. And so she she's the one that should have gone. But in her place, I went, and that's where I met Mona. Yes, I was a student there. She was my student. (laughs) I was appropriate. I just want to put that out there. I I didn't give her the lead or anything if she would date me or anything like that. Yeah, but that was just your first time that you met each other. So that's it. That's the first time we met. And it was a pretty, you know, it was a pretty stoic experience. But we did talk a lot for various reasons. Yeah. Got to know each other. So that's where we met. Yeah, And then soon after got engaged and then she joined us in Sweden. And mm-hmm. so we were to get, we were married three years, basically, or together three years. Mm-hmm. We were together three years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In Sweden before we moved to Kansas City. Okay. So that gets us up to date. I hope that yeah. wasn't too long. That's so great. We're, we're old. So we have. We're to old. Stay. So the story's long. <laughs> but during it. the time in Europe, we really were. were you know, how does this work? How does arts and culture interact? How does Christianity and the arts interact? Mm -hmm. And how does it function in society? And so all those years, we were thinking about that and developing that approach and the ideas to start a thing called the Culture House. And we thought it would be in Europe. We we wanted to bring our home life down to two languages as we were Mm going to have children. Mm-hmm. And we thought it would be over there. But instead, the Lord opened a bunch of interesting doors back in my home city of mm-hmm. Kansas City. And that was in 1995. Okay. And we planted ourselves here then. And if people know anything about the Culture House, it's a very a wonderful, thriving organization. But we started with, we didn't know hardly anybody. Mm-hmm. And we had $700. I remember that. Yeah. Oh, wow. And, yeah. and we lived in my brother's attic. My brother still <laughs> lived here. That's so, actually very encouraging, I think, for yeah, people yeah. out that are, myself and people listening, because you know, do not despise small beginnings, right? No, we were not connected. Yeah, yeah small beginnings, and I think if if anyone takes anything from this interview, yeah. it would be that. I mean, we had great teachers in Europe, and and I would say 
at UCLA, being around some of my professors, I was able to develop a really um, a passion for quality and drama and and working to get a really good ideas. Mm-hmm. And then in Europe, was able to be a part of a group working in the same vein. Mona, of course, was already being acknowledged for the quality mm-hmm. of her work. So when we came here, we had a lot of ideas, but we didn't have connections. We didn't have money. Mm-hmm. We just had. You know, my brother and his wife. We didn't even have a place to. Stay. I mean, we had a place to stay. But, you know, I'm we like, had an we've... attic room right. to stay. Wasn't and, really uh, like your own you know, roots yet. Yeah, that's wow. right. And we had a church that was warm to us and kind to us and encouraged us. Mm-hmm. Although this is funny, mm. we go to this church, and we're there about six months. And this couple comes up to us and they said, "Oh, you're Christians," <laughs> and we're like, "Yeah." So they had heard we were we were dancers and they assumed that we were not Christians because we were dancers. Interesting. They've been praying for us because they thought we were strippers. <laughs> they thought that we were strippers uh-huh. that we had been lured in. You know, we were interested in Jesus, but we were really strippers. And we were like, no, you can stop praying for that now. We're good. We're good. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. There is sort of that. I don't know, connection in a lot of people's minds for sure. So it probably probably used to be, but yeah. Yeah. It's probably more 30 years ago than now that things have changed. Yeah. That's good. I'm grateful. Yeah. That's kind of how we got here. That's incredible. Yes. And I know, so you have four children, right? We have four wonderful children. Mm -hmm. And if anyone really wants to know our passion, that's our family. And, and we just have so much fun with them. They're 25 to 15. Okay. That sounds like a fun age range because, yeah. you know, everyone's probably really getting into their own passions as well. And yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. That's and they're all artistic in their own way as well, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah, all of them have gone yeah. into the arts on some level. Some level, yeah. Mm, that's so neat. Well, I love your passion for community and for family. So I'd love to hear more about that. What have you seen as the value of community in I know your time over, you know, in Europe, but also kind of like you said, the contrast between what you experienced in LA and then kind of figuring out like, what is your vision for community? And anyways, I feel like this is a very roundabout question, but I would just love to hear your heart for that. No, it's a good, it's Mm -hmm. a broad question. So who knows where we'll land? Yes. Um, (laughs) But I would say, I mean, simply put, one of the driving biblical Christian ideas at the culture house is that everyone that we are made in the image of god Mm -hmm. so every artist every student that walks through our doors we see them in that light Mm -hmm. and we just feel excited to be a part of discovering who has god made you to be Mm -hmm. what is your calling what are your gifts so we have um, many programs we have a professional division and an educational division and in the educational division we have a children and youth program, after school classes, and some homeschool programs. About 700 plus students come here every week, and then a lot more in the summer, to study dance, theater, music, and art. So a lot of the the disciplines. And then we have our college degree program, the Sterling Conservatory. Mm -hmm. So those things, you know, are going on. And everyone that walks in, we just feel privileged and joyful to see what have they been given? What are their Mm -hmm. gifts? And and it's not about needing to have a professional career in the arts. It's about thriving and developing as a person and enjoying the gift of the arts. Mm, yes. so it's a gift that all humans get. 
the family of man all gets this gift of the arts. And so that's really a big part of our message. And so when it comes to community, you know, a real passion of ours is just how has God designed us to be? How has he designed creation and the universe to work? And a big part of that is community. We are not, we know very clearly we are not designed to be alone. Mm -hmm. Right. And so Adam, it was, he was, we like Adam, God liked Adam, (laughs) but he wasn't right yet. We had to, we had to meet Eve, right? Right. And then Adam and Eve produced a child. So the family is, that family unit really reflects the Trinity, Mm -hmm. the community of the Trinity. God is community. Mm, So at the very base of this conversation is the first, the appreciation of that. God is community. We are community. That is how we're designed. That is how we will thrive. So we think it's so important that there's just a huge focus of that here. Mm -hmm. The dance company is a community in itself, but it's a part of the culture Mm -hmm. house. The culture house is a part of the city, right? Mm -hmm. And even the dance company, like the several of the dancers teach in the school. So they're connected, you know, with that community as well, you know? Yes. Yes. Like there's a lot of overlap, you know, between the different programs. Right. We have a recording studio, professional recording studio. So that overlaps with some of our music teachers, many of whom are still performers in the city and and composers and things like that. And the circles just ripple. And it's important to us that we're in we're a part of the city. The Culture House is a Christian organization, mm-hmm. but it's for everyone. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're 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 getting a good quality guitar lesson, not a Christian guitar lesson. Right. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. uh, hopefully and and the reason we made the Culture House a Christian organization mm-hmm. is we did want to acknowledge that if we were successful with some good ideas where they came from. Mm, yeah that these were biblical ideas and they come from the heart of jesus for us and for Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. so those are some foundational ideas of why can we it's not just a bumper sticker value here it is fundamental to what we're doing we want the we believe that the that god has given us the gift of the art to do that specifically Mm -hmm. build community Mm -hmm. and especially i think it helps us to bring people together of different viewpoints and things like that. We can all go, you know, America's in this hot political time right now. And it's just, I mean, everyone knows it's cartoonish. Yeah. Right. Like we don't have to, we can all agree on that. Every, you know, there, of course there's, you know, fist pounding, but in general, it's becomes a septic culture when it comes politics is seeping into our daily lives in a very unhealthy way. Mm-hmm. But we can all go see a dance concert and sit next to people we might not agree with on things, but we can find conversation together about this particular thing that might lead to some more conversations or a deeper relationship that can handle the pressure of the difficult conversations. Mm -hmm. So the arts are just huge on that. Yeah. And I don't know that we think about that as often as we should, just the power of the arts to help create that connection and that commonality, you know, just that we all have that same human experience. Mm-hmm. It's really yeah. true. I mean, and we're in danger, the arts are in danger of, of just becoming propaganda, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. because of this political yeah. 
divide. It's we're in danger of creating something that only our little club of agreement can go. Yeah, you know, really kind of hardens us if we if we don't watch out, right? Mm-hmm. That we can create. Yes, as Christians, we create pieces for worship that is for the family of God. But we also, and a big part of mm-hmm. how we approach things, but we also want to make sure we're creating pieces for the family of man. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. I think and, one of our big things has been, you know, to consider the audience. Yeah. You yes. Know, like what is going on right now? Who's going to possibly be there? And how can we communicate something that is, you know, truth, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and Christian comes from that Christian root without like immediately slamming it in their face and they're going to be turned off. Like, how can we woo them into this, you know, world? Yeah. How can we create things that are just true for all of us and beautiful? Will cause people to ask questions, you know, or that they will be kind of intrigued by. Right. And once again, though, but so that it's not propaganda, it's also starting a conversation where we learn something from them, they learn something from us, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And we believe so fundamentally Christianity is reality. Mm-hmm. So when Mona says we want to introduce these ideas to them, it's not for a religious purpose particularly, but we believe Jesus is the author of reality. Right. So as we join in on those conversations, mm-hmm. It will lead both of us, the Christian and the non-Christian, closer to truth and reality. And for the Christian, it's clear who what we think, what we think and believe for the Bible-believing Christian. But we also share in that reality with all of the family of man, and we can create gifts. And it also, I mean, the arts too. I mean, there's this kind of wave of you can't have an opinion about something, right? It's so subjective. The arts are so, it's just not true. Mm-hmm. You know, we can we can form ideas and thoughts and share them and you can counter that and we can grow deeper in discussion. I think one of the things that I appreciated about my years in Europe and some of the deepest friendships I'll ever have is that we could just be honest and argue and not take personal offense. Mm, yes. We knew we were discussing. I use the word argue because it's like you argued. Well, argued in a in a friendship of love. Yeah. We discussed. We chewed on ideas, mm-hmm. and so that's that's why community is wonderful. You know, I just had a meeting a week or so ago with one of my staff, and we don't agree on everything, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. There are some things that are not debatable. When it comes to there's categories mm-hmm. and there is some things that he and I don't agree on as far as how to walk out Christianity. Or I would even say this. We are in a discussion about that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes. But there are things that are not debatable when it comes to being a Christian. It's an exclusive belief system and reality. Mm-hmm. But then there are other things that aren't that way. And I think the arts help bring people together over and over again to talk about a lot of those things. Right, for sure. And I'm curious as leaders in, you know, the culture house and also with the dance company, how have you found like practical ways to create that healthy community, that thriving community? And I think part of it is what you're saying right now, which is just that ability to have dialogue and discussion and not always agree on everything, but still love one another. And, you know, but any other kind of practical ways I think 
with the dance company, one of the things like, for example, when we when I hold auditions and stuff for the dance company, I never ask them if they're Christian. Mm-hmm. Like I just tell them I'm a Christian and that this is, you know, that my faith is what inspires me, you know, in everything that I create. I tell them that, you know, we start our, you know, day with the dance company by just sharing and, and, you know, praying together and, and just say, Hey, like, I just want to let you know that, that if you, you know, yeah, you, just you, so you, it's you, not like a bait and switch thing, you know, like, right. wait, I thought I was here to dance, you know, so I, I just want you to know just in case, you know, and they don't have, no one has have a to problem pray. with this. Right. And, and no one has to pray. Yeah. And I, have, I don't think I've ever had anybody say, no, I will not join you, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it's been really fascinating to see how, you know, in the fall, if we start the season or whatever, there's some, you know, dancers that are not Christian. And mm-hmm. you can tell, like, by the beginning when we're having our prayer time, we kind of ask people, anybody have any prayer requests? And people are sharing pretty openly. And there's always something going on. And it might be someone's relative or a friend or all these, like, sometimes really heavy things that we pray for. And to see, like, people are sort of, like, separate. You know, and they they don't really know what to do. But then little by little, it only takes like a couple of weeks and people start to ask for prayer. Yeah. Because everybody has needs. And I think it's that openness of just like the very familial, very open, you know, people will say things like, I'm just really exhausted today and I just need strength or whatever. It can be little things, you know, to big things. That there's kind of a safety to share. Yeah, there's a safety to share. We all need support to get through the day. Mm -hmm. And so... Christian or not, we will pray for you. And Mona is just great about, you know, saying that up front. And it's not particularly unusual, really. Mm-hmm. Most dance company artistic leaders have a spiritual perspective and they share that. Mm-hmm. So, but she, I think the prayer builds community. Mm-hmm. And then, then there's another really special thing about Sterling, which is we say that Sterling Dance Theater is for men and women. You know, these are, it's it's an army, not a hospital. <laughs> and uh, you got to be a pretty, pretty uh, strong person because it's a very intense time. They, they only generally rehearse in the mornings. And so they have to get a, a full season of work done in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And many of the dancers have children. And so a big part of our vision is that, you know, we design our dance programming. The dance industry is probably 80% women. Mm-hmm. Right. So why wouldn't you consider the design of a woman to create a culture for them to thrive? That's our thing. Mm, God designed that. them a certain way. And so women are designed to have children. And in contrast to what I would say would probably be the overbearing dance culture, mm-hmm. which do- is not happy. And we have the stories to back it up Mm. when a woman gets married and has children, the career's over. Mm -hmm. Contrary to that, if you are a dancer and you're a good dancer and you're in the company and you have a child, bring bring your child to the culture house. And we have a little program for the kids of dancers as they're rehearsing to grow up together. Mm -hmm. That's another big and it's just so great because mom or dad is just 20 feet away in the studio. So sometimes the kids all go and watch their parents yes, dance. Really. That's so sweet. It's so great. Our kids grew up this way. Yeah. We stole this idea from how we lived in Sweden. Yeah. It was so great. 
But that means we get the benefit of mature artists. Mm. They get these women, especially mm. get to mature as artists in their artistry, and they are incredible mm-hmm. uh, dancers and and performers and actresses and just soulful performers. So that builds community. Yeah, because I'm sure you know motherhood just even yeah enhances your ability yeah. to connect and, like you said, have that maturity yeah. in your expression and everything so i have another practical thing that that what we do is like whenever there's a new dancers coming in we always assign mentors within the company Ooh, yeah the new dancers so they will take them out for coffee and they will always check in with them every day how are you doing or mm-hmm. are you okay or are you struggling with this part of the crowd they're kind of like their little big sister you know and I they're think little big sister. they're a little big yeah (laughs) but um yeah so so i think that's also helped you know people feel like they they get integrated yeah you know very smoothly into their and then and then so and it continues to ripple out right so we have a school for kids and the parents get involved and and some of the sterling members teach they get to know them Sterling members with kids, their kids often end up taking arts classes at the culture house. You know, when you've got 700 kids in the, you know, there's a lot of families. And then then there's staff and there's about, I think we have about 50 faculty members teaching part-time. And so those circles cross over and we find out about, like, we just went to this really cool town called Weston, Missouri. And one of our uh, directors his wife is a musician kind of an indie and she's just fantastic and so we went up there to watch her and we brought people with us you know so it's just kind of a constantly moving yeah, out yeah. maybe one thing that will also help is that the culture house is not under a church like under a specific church or denomination mm-hmm. and we don't want to be a church and we're not a church and it's important to our success that we're not seen that way or i guess you'd say functioning that way in most of our staff faculty and artists lives and so we really encourage everyone to find a home church and we can help if they need that and i think that the having that's another circle you know and it helps we help their church life be better they're not looking to get all their artistic things out of church life and church of course is the role is to disciple even more directly and we all need discipleship all the time. Right. And so there are certain areas of discipleship that goes on here at the culture house because it's specific to the industry and your calling. Mm-hmm. And then there's others that go on at church. So that kind of is a description of all that rippling that goes on to create community. And always it's always being refreshed with new people coming in. Mm-hmm. And that's really wonderful. Yeah. I love so much your vision and heart for creating that thriving environment and having the value of community, not just saying it, but actually living it out. And yeah. um, what a incredible gift it is to have, you know, the childcare option. And that's just such a cool thing. And I hope that it catches on and more people <laughs> continue to. Well, we do too. It's, now it's going to, it's like, I'll give you a perfect description of how it works. You do need patience. Right. And I love it. I don't have a big deal with it. But like Kathleen, who, you know, yes, she has three children and her youngest is maybe a year. Right. I think, yeah. He's maybe a year. Right. Mm-hmm. And she is the one that that's 
took this. We had a trainee program for 20 years and she took it and moved it into a accredited program with our partnership with Visible Yes. while she's being a mom. So Kathleen shows up and we'll have a staff meeting or something. And Theo is crawling around and we're just passing Theo around. Mm-hmm. While we have a staff meeting. Now, in some environments, people may be like, well, this just doesn't work. We've got to get to business or you don't have to be that way. Right. Exactly. And there's like just such a beauty in, I think they're able to probably bring more of who they are to the table because they're not stressing about, you know, their child somewhere else. And anyway, that's right. Yes. That's kind of right. that integration, which is nice. And I think that's one of the most wonderful things about the culture. Out there. We produce art at a very high level, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we just did a musical at the Kaufman Center, which is a world-class facility here in Kansas City. Big budget big deal right Mm -hmm. but then you have a camp running at the same time and kids running around just to remind you not to think too much of yourself (laughs) right so true or there's this boy who's probably now seven or eight his name is zane and i don't know why he got fixated on me but he and his mom would come in through the back door going to class for like a year or two when he was little like five and Zane would just want to stop by my office. Aww. He didn't know me, but all of a sudden I'd look up and there's Zane standing in the door with his mom. <laughs> and his mom just said, he just wants to say hi. Aww. Every time we come here, you're the guy he wants to say. So Zane, you know, Zane would say hi. And we would have a little chat. And um, I could have been irritated, of course, if my goal was finishing my paperwork, grant, whatever. Mm-hmm. Or I could go, wow, you know, it's really important. Is Zane. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in this moment so of cool. connection, right? Yeah. That's right. And so then cool. he for some reason. And so mm-hmm. he and his family have become friends and and his sister is so great. But it's a part of the value here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say that one of our big things is people before project. Ooh, yeah. I love that. That's so good. Yeah, people before project. And yet we still get really good stuff done. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like sloppy. It's not like Nothing matters. Oh, I feel bad today, you know, and everything stopped. It's like, well, it's an army, not a hospital on the on the professional stuff. Right. Like if someone is not able to handle the rigorous stuff as we bend and flow with life's bumps, then you're not ready yet for Sterling. Mm -hmm. Right. But if you are, if you like to work hard. If you know interruptions are coming and it's not going to stress you out, yeah. so you have to let go of your perfectionism, yeah. then you might have a great experience. Yeah. yeah. I have a dancer right now who's taking a sabbatical because of, you know, her little kids, just little kids. And it's like, yeah, I just can't do this right now. Yeah. Just for a year. And I was listening to the dancers talking about like, oh, we got to make sure we got to stay connected. We have to take her out for coffee, you know, bring her lunch. And like, they're still, you know, want her to be a part of it, you know, even if she, that's beautiful, you know, practical reasons. She's still a part of the family. Yes. Well, she's a huge part of the company. She's a senior member. And so Caitlin's amazing on so many levels. And like in anything, you can feel like I don't matter if you step away. Mm -hmm. That's why. The heart of these professionals is so powerful yeah. because they're not going to let that happen. 
Right. That's so, so beautiful and very kind of counter to what you typically see, I think, in in a, a company culture, that kind of thing. So just to follow up on that question is, I know transitioning out, you know, of a company or that kind of professional environment can be a challenge as well. So how have you all found ways to help dancers transition out in a way that still helps them thrive? Transition out of performing? Yes. Yeah. So what was kind of happened? Uh, we make them two... dance so forever. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> you can be the old lady. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they all we really have like great, amazing longevity with dancers. Like they want to stay. Like you know, and say like I'm not going. Right, which is great. I mean, that's <laughs> I think you know you're gonna have to keep me that's proof yeah, to the health of the program or the and, company. Yeah, yeah they, eventually. I think like they've moved into um, kind of you know like some of them into like leadership positions. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, that sort of happens like gradually before they even with dancing, you know, where I can just see like, oh, she has a gift for this. Mm-hmm. I kind of add to their load, I guess, and say, hey, can you help with this, you know, I think with also, administration stuff or, or well, because just, we're you know, at that phase, we yeah. need their leadership. Yeah. Or, you know, help with like restaging older works that they've been in for a million times and they know the counts much better than me right. because <laughs> they did it. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. things like that. I think I've seen what I've seen Mona do too with some transitions. Let's say it's from the peak of their technical ability to then their maturing, their artistic ability starting to go be the peak and their technical ability, their body is showing wear and tear mm-hmm. a little bit or limitations yeah. maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, their their Alice Sagan used to be 185 and now it's 170, right. you know, <laughs> it's still amazing kind of a thing. But I would say that there are some artists who have a following in the company. I mean, people want to see them. I mean, they're just so dynamic and so compelling. So a dancer might say, Hey, you know, my hips are doing this or whatever. And Mona might modify choreography to make sure they're always dancing in their strength. Mm-hmm. Is that, I've seen you kind mm-hmm. of adjust things, which is also not unusual in the world of dance with artists who are well known and you want them to continue because people just love seeing them. Yeah. I would say we have, you know, a little that that's a part of a transition moment. And then another thing Mona does is a lot of her productions do have roles for multiple ages. Yeah. So, you know, in fact we're doing a production this year in April mm-hmm. called Butterfly and one of the lead characters is an you know, older, an old, I mean, if you, if you aged, if you put an age on the character, it would be mid to late seventies. Okay. Yeah. Right. right. And they, they don't dance, they're not leaping through the air and everything, <laughs> but they do move and dance. Yes. And the original actress, she was a senior citizen, if you will. And she used to be in the Kansas City Ballet and she played the role in her, I think she was 70. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. amazing. I love that. <laughs> it's so good. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just one of those conversations that we don't have very often in the dance yeah. world, yeah. especially. So yeah. we usually try to keep them involved. Yes. You know, and I think yeah. I can definitely feel your heart just for people. And, you know, they're not just a number in the company, they're, you know, them and they're mm-hmm. part of the family and the community. So I think that in and of itself mm-hmm. kind of creates a healthier transition because. You know, yeah. they're known for who they are as a person and you're connected still. So 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So good. Well, I love just hearing about, you know, your experience and how you've grown over the years as leaders and would love to know, are there any kind of key lessons that you've learned in leading such a big organization, you know, and multiple organizations within that? Gosh, um, a lot of lessons. so many lessons, so <laughs> many lessons, you know, that's such a, a big question. And I would, I would start off by saying that when it comes to the vision of the culture house and people would say, oh, I love your vision. You must be so excited what you guys have accomplished. Because in American culture, the individual is the icon. Being an individual is what we look mm. through to become something in the United States. Right. But that's not that's not a biblical concept. Mm-hmm. Now, individual freedom and protection and government, you know, serving the individual, yes. But as a way of life, the individual is not the goal. We are together the goal. So when people acknowledge and say, wow, look what you've done, we say, oh, we did not do this. Yeah. You know, we did not do this. We planted a flag and said, hey, we want to do this. And a bunch of other people with the same vision have joined up over the years and made the culture house happen. The community has made this happen. Yes. And the vision is really the Lord's. It's just the old vision. It's God designed us. It's in the Bible. It's inspired daily by the Holy Spirit. But the reason the culture house has worked well is because people of that already have the same vision. And maybe we articulate it in a way that lit a candle in them and maybe that's it. That's what I've been wanting to do, et cetera. But overall, God planted this vision in other people's minds. And so I think that acknowledging that is really important as opposed to come follow me. Mm, yes. You know, right. Mona and I both have specific roles at the culture house and some of that is articulating vision where are we going where are we heading and Mm -hmm. and how does this how do we do that you know Mm -hmm. what's the idea behind it but we're always looking to see what is this new person bringing with them to add to who we are and how we affect the world and the art we create and how we affect the city one thing i love about mona is when someone gets in the company, she's not trying to just say, okay, you're serving my movement vision. Mm-hmm. You're just like a prop to yeah. like my art. She's looking to find specific, mm-hmm. what is their movement quality? Obviously it has to gel with the rest of the company. But one of the reasons she's been so successful is she's drawing out the strengths of those who get in the company, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So as opposed to just looking for cookie cutter mm-hmm. people to all look the same, dance the same and force them into a mold. And I think that concept that she brought has really permeated the whole culture. So that's a big value perspective that's that's mm-hmm. shaped a lot of things. This is more personal, you know, personal, like for me, you know, but, you know, when you think that you don't have time to pray is when you need to pray. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's so true you that's know so it's good. like yeah uh, well, yeah and a lot of I would say a lot of your best ideas came through praying about it yeah you know you know because there's been times when I'm like I gotta go I gotta go I gotta get this done and it's like no I need to stop everything yeah. and just connect with the Lord it's gonna get done but if I don't connect with the Lord 
It won't be nice. It, it won't be a nice yeah. way to get there. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, another one is, and I think this probably applies to a lot of artists, but insecurity is really your enemy. Yeah. You know, and just to kind of whatever, you know, I'm feeling insecure or about anything. It's just like you don't create good work when you're insecure. Yeah. Just, you know, trust in the Lord. Know your own limitations. You know, be okay with your own limitations. but just go like you know go with your own unique inspiration we have two rules at the yeah. culture house from the top down and in the school with the kids and the first one is no gossip yeah that will tank a culture really fast uh, for yeah. sure. Yeah, and we live in a culture of gossip i mean our news all our news cycles basically are gossip right right now that's mm-hmm. true so we're being constantly discipled and how to tear people down cancel people destroy people complain whatever it is mm. no gossip and the second one is really um, the battle against insecurities. They are not a part of you. You need to trust God and be confident. And Rachel, the other thing that came to mind, last thing is, um, that's really is very important because people look at the culture house. We know we're just this little organization in Kansas City. We're not trying to overplay it at all. But in our little world, it's going well, and there's hundreds of people involved, and it looks like a, you know, a, a significant organization. Mm-hmm. But we never demanded that of God. We never based our success on on how the scale of it and all of that. We simply said, "Hey, we're going to just follow one day forward at a time, and follow what we think and is happening, and what the Lord allows to happen." Mm-hmm. And so if he doesn't allow this to happen, then we'll do like this scale of a thing, you know, um, then we'll just do a small thing. I mean, mm-hmm. the scale part yeah. is make not it small, but make it amazing. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Quality high, quality high, work hard, making it good. But we have always completely submitted whatever happens to God and how far he wants to take it. So our satisfaction of the work we're doing or our analysis of whether it's successful or not really doesn't have much to do with the scale. And that's huge. Yeah. Well, it can drive you crazy. But anyway, but that's a really big thing because, you know, it's so easy to get in that caught up in that as sort of the measuring stick, you know, is this Mm -hmm. quote successful, but you're so right that it's that daily, you know, obedience to the Lord. And then being faithful with what's in front of you, you know, that's such a good word for sure. And that kind of ties right into just to wrap up today. I like to ask everyone that comes on the show, if there's something on your heart to share with other artists right now. And so many of the things you said have, I'm sure resonated with everyone that's listening, but yeah, if there's any kind of last word of encouragement that you want to give today. I would say, be not afraid. Be not afraid. That is a great one. Yes. Cast cast into the deep. That's right. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and with that, I would add, and people have knows the scripture about the gates of hell shall not prevail. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the church sometimes, and even when I first heard it, I thought, oh, you know, the church won't be destroyed, you know, but really a proper reading of that scripture is, no, the church is supposed to knock down the gates of hell. Mm. And so um, we're supposed to be out there stomping, you know, evil down. Gates don't attack. Gates are a defense. Yeah, they're a defense. Yeah. Right. Be not afraid. Be bold. 
and remember who the enemies are, which is, you know, um, hate and self-centeredness and injustice and all these things. What are keeping people from knowing the love of God? Those are the gates we have to stop down. What are the lies in our culture mm-hmm. that are keeping people from the love of Jesus and reality? And so do your dance on the street corner, do it in the theater, do it on the rooftop, be not afraid, don't be afraid of man and their voices. And that's really a good word. And we need, and the world needs your work, whether a thousand people see it or two. Yeah, you know they need your contribution. Wow, so beautiful! This has been such a rich time, and I feel like so many nuggets of wisdom just throughout. So can't <laughs> wait for people to get to listen. And just for fun, I like to end on what is one of your favorite things right now? Uh, harvesting tomatoes in my garden. Ooh, that sounds so <laughs> oh, <yeah>. lovely. <laughs> We're going to be eating tomatoes forever. Mine would be systems biology. So there's a movement in the science world called systems biology. I won't even start talking about it. It's so exciting. I know I'm excited (laughs) about it. So look up systems biology and thank me later. Sounds good. We'll do. (laughs) That's incredible. Well, I would love to let people know how they can connect in with the culture house, with Sterling Dance Theater and the conservatory, all of the places. So what's the best way to do that? culturehouse.com is our website and we have a new site coming up soon but basically you can find us there there's a link to the sterling site there and that's sterling s-t-o-r-l-i-n-g dance.org it's pronounced sterling in swedish it's mona's middle uh maiden name maiden so that's where that comes from that makes sense i love it (laughs) and you can find our contact information there my email is jeremiah at culturehouse.com but everyone's there, a lot of artists, you'll see different people and stuff. So mm-hmm. find us there for sure. Come to Kansas City. Yeah. Um, we are going to do our 17th annual performances of Underground, which is Sterling's Diamond in the Crown performance in February. And it really is something to be seen. It was chosen as one of the top 10 performances of the decade for wow. Kansas City when it was created and um it's kind of a destination event for us it's our nutcracker Mm -hmm. and just an incredibly powerful story where god is the hero and we need god to be our hero in that way again Mm -hmm. yes so good well thank you both so much for your faithfulness and just continuing to be obedient to the lord and continue to follow him on all these adventures (laughs) starting thank you you for sharing your story today i really appreciate you being here you're welcome rachel thanks for having you Find all the links, full show notes, and additional resources on our website, creativeimpactpodcast.com. If you're interested in supporting the show, some great ways to do that are to share it with a friend, to rate and review wherever you're listening, and then also if you're interested in giving financially, you can check out our Patreon community where you get bonus content each month and have a special part in helping make this podcast possible. You can access our Patreon community on the link at our website or by going to creativeimpactpodcast.com slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thank you all so much for listening to the Creative Impact Podcast. The music for the show was produced by Michael Cash. Until next time, remember that you were designed to create. You were made to inspire. Continue living with purpose and making an impact. I'll see you next time, friends.